0: Welcome to our podcast, Chill Out Mama. We're your co-host. I'm Sabria. And I'm Crystal. Motherhood is a beautiful struggle. Do you focus on the struggle more than the beauty? We are two friends navigating the pressures of today's moms. In this space, we share transparently about worries, stress, and anxiety that we face in motherhood. This beautiful struggle isn't meant to be tackled alone. Come along with us on this journey and let's chill out together. Welcome to this week's episode of Chill Out Mama. Before we begin talking about anxiety in children, let's talk about last week. How are you doing, Crystal?
1: I'm good. But honestly, I would say I have, uh, well, I had a bit of a vulnerability vulnerability hangover. Have you ever heard of that?
0: No, I haven't, but I can understand what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Brene Brown talks about this she's one of my favorites you know her her whole thing is about being authentic and vulnerable but she said when you do it there's like this wave of fear and like of course anxiety and like what did I just do and I had that the day after we recorded our unapologetic episode I think we were just too tired for me to feel it right after we recorded it (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) and
1: we were still laughing. If you didn't listen, you should go back and listen to it. But um, yeah, I had a bit of a vulnerability hangover, like, oh, that was a lot. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, or I I wish I had said it like this, and I hope people don't misunderstand, and I'm over it now, but that is what I did experience. But today, I'm really happy we did it. Um, I think it was a significant, very special episode. For both of us so I'm glad we, mm-hmm. that's the truth of how I felt about our last episode
0: yeah I agree with that sentiment exactly afterwards you know we pushed the button a couple of times and just say let's just do it go mm-hmm. and in that moment we didn't have any hesitations because we decided to do it and we were we felt strongly about it and that was a good thing. But I, the next day, like you said, I thought, why did I say (laughs) those choice words? Why didn't I censor it? But then I thought that was authentic that happened and I didn't want to sugarcoat the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though those those aren't words that I normally use every day Mm -hmm. in that moment, I felt it appropriate because I was quoting what happened and, I feel no shame about it today Mm -hmm. because I'm living in my truth.
1: Yes. And when we were even talking about doing that show, when we were trying to come up with the name of it and like, if we call it this, then maybe people won't listen and stuff like that. And the word that we came up with unapologetic um, and even in being unapologetic, it doesn't mean at some point later on, you might not feel like you need to apologize. Right. Yeah. But you do it anyway and you stand in it and keep it moving. So I'm glad we did it. I'm glad I had you to do that with.
0: (laughs) Yeah, likewise. (laughs) So Now
1: now we are are back to our chill out mama, you know, our usual, but if we feel the need to go back to that topic, we will. Uh, But this week we're kind of moving back into our lane of anxiety and we want to highlight anxiety in children. Yes,
0: And so there are six six types of anxiety as diagnosed in the diagnostic manual for Mm -hmm. mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. So there's generalized anxiety, there's social anxiety, separation, selective mutism, and there's two more that I don't have on my list. Um,
1: It's specific phobia and panic disorder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So those are the six that are generally diagnosed in children, which mean typically under 13 years old, because there are some diagnoses that they just don't give children until they reach a certain age. So with anxiety, those are the six that children can be and are diagnosed with. Yes. So generalized, general anxiety disorder is just anxious about everything, you know everything is scary right they worry constantly um
0: anything you want to add to there's no I would say a big one for that is change or think Mm -hmm. future thinking like what am I going to do tomorrow what am I going to wear tomorrow just like these obsessive thoughts that kind of happen good one over and over again
1: yeah What do they call it? Ruminating. You just ruminating over the same thing over and over and over again. And there's never a resolution to it until you just move on to the next thing you're worried about. Mm -hmm. And it's typically, would you say, it's typically like anticipatory anxiety like about a disaster or just anything happening in the future. Yeah,
0: a birthday. It could be something happy or it could be something that you're scared about.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So that's just generalized um, anxiety disorder. Then there's um, separation anxiety.
0: And that one is being um, worried when your parent or caregiver leaves, you worry about their safety while they're away from you. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: you worry until they come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could be going to the bathroom and leaving the room or it could be leaving your house to go to the store. Mm -hmm. Um, worry and we'll talk about more talk about that more in just a little bit Mm
1: -hmm. and it's the caregiver or parent being away or them being away from them so like I don't want to go stay with someone else you know it's just completely being separated from your parents or the people that take care of you
0: yeah even going to school daily that's another one
1: yep yep Um, and then there's selective mutism
0: yes that one is um normally happens very young but in children and they do not talk away from home or they select who they speak with they're quiet in other places so they may speak only at home but then go to school and not speak or go to church which is a another familiar place and not speak or even going to grandparents houses and not speaking to them Mm -hmm. because they're so anxious and i'm
1: sure this is something that people would call you know they're just really shy Mhm that's what it
0: appears to be mm-hmm.
1: yeah so these children are probably seen as just really shy and they only like certain people but we don't necessarily know why they select certain situations to speak in but it's more anxiety provoking situations that they choose not to speak in and we'll go into yeah. more of that later but that's what selective mutism is and that is an anxiety disorder um there's also specific phobia And that's pretty self-explanatory. You know, they're afraid of one particular thing. So it could be afraid of the dark, afraid of dogs. um, A
0: vacuum cleaner
1: or bugs. Sounds, certain sounds. Um, Yeah, I had a friend, her daughter is like deathly afraid of flies. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it, it, and it may not make sense to you, but they have anxiety around one specific person, place, thing, all of that. Um, yeah. the next one is, um, social anxiety.
0: And that can be, um, it's a fear of going outside, being social with others. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can also morph into, um, like being afraid to go over bridges or flying in an airplane. So it can, there's a milder form of that. And then there's a greater form.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably, we probably say that for all of these, right? There's mild. Yes. Yeah, there's mild and it, it gets to more severe. Um, I would say with social anxiety social anxiety is also, I think there's a certain level of self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. So like we're being worried about being judged by others, um, especially in school-age children. So sometimes that comes up. If there's some kind of difference or um, they're not confident in a certain thing, they could develop social anxiety. It could be developed or it could be something that a child just has. So like we just, oh, go ahead.
0: I would also include public speaking in this category. Yes.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. Uh, Yeah. So that's like the fear of being embarrassed or embarrassing themselves. So they don't even do certain things um, because of that fear. So that's the social anxiety. So that's just basically fear of what people think of you being judged, embarrassed, um, and then the last one is panic disorder. Um, yes. And we, yeah. go ahead. You can go ahead, go ahead.
0: Um, and we know about panic attacks where people just hyperventilate, can't breathe. Um, and that's just the anxiety exhibiting physical signs almost immediately when there are thoughts that happen that cause, it, cause a reaction. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It is typically unexpected. Like, they don't know that it's coming on. This is in adults and in children, and it's repeated. So then there becomes a fear of having a panic attack. So it just, the more it happens, the more it's exacerbated. Um, Yeah. And it could be anywhere from two to five minutes all the way to an hour for some people, you know, having these sudden anxiety attacks that can then develop into panic attacks. And this does happen to kids. Yeah. So those are the six um, type. So we're gonna talk about what we have seen in our own children and in our work um, as therapists with kids. We've both done play therapy, we've both done work with kids, but we also have our own children that have their struggles with anxiety. So again, we're gonna be sharing our life and um, some things professionally. So what have you seen in terms of anxiety with your children?
0: So Simon had selective mutism. He was not diagnosed with it, but he definitely had selective mutism around the age of two. Um, He would only talk at home. He would not talk at school and he would not talk at church. And the therapist or his um, pediatrician attributed it to him being shy and introverted, Mm. but he would also get so afraid of the doctor that he would get sick in the doctor's office. So we would get there, he would get sick, we would clean it up and then go back in the room and he'd get sick again. So he's had everything except for panic. He kind of has meltdowns, but we've seen all of these anxieties in him. He's kind of aged out of selective mutism in some respects. Mm-hmm. If you go to the grocery store and he wants to pay for something, he will still not talk to cashiers and he still will not order his own food if we're with him in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's still there as well. But Simon also has anxiety. Well, he was just diagnosed formally with anxiety in May, but he also has autism and ADHD. I call it the trifecta Mm -hmm. because they are comorbid, which means that they almost always go hand in hand and it's hard to differentiate which comes first. Right. So for him, it was definitely the anxiety is what we saw first, um, and then the autism, and then ADHD. But they didn't get diagnosed that way, which I wish they would have, because mm-hmm. then we would have been able to help him more. That
1: would be helpful. Yeah. So when
0: yeah.
1: when you say you're not sure which comes first, do you mean you're not sure which developed first, or which was there first, or which one was noticed first?
0: Well, it, well, what I mean by that is hard to tease out okay. because anxiety looks like fidgeting and so does ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the like being all over the place kind of looks like ADHD, but there's some components of that that also look like autism and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of hard to tease out. Mm-hmm. But we went to a developmental pediatrician who was very thorough and she was able to see this is anxiety, but also him being home full-time helped him, helped us discover that, that it was anxiety. Right. Okay. So some other ways that we've seen it show up in his life. Um, so I mentioned selective mutism and school. He has separation anxiety. Um, if I leave the room without telling him where I'm going, I hear him calling for me, mm-hmm. even if I go to the bathroom. Um he will run for me and call for me. So he doesn't like to be upstairs if I'm not up there and he doesn't like to be downstairs if I'm not down with him. Mm -hmm. And then if I leave, he worries that something might happen. He hasn't specified what, but that's a worry.
1: What Um, What does he say? How do you know he's worried about something might happen?
0: Initially, when I noticed it, he would just cry, like, don't go, can I go with you? Okay. Or stay home, let daddy go instead. Um, but now he's like, where are you going? When are you coming back? What are you going to get? Mm-hmm. Why, why do I have to stay home? So especially now, if I have doctor's appointments, they can't go with me anymore. So mm. he worries. Why are you going to the doctor? Are you sick? Do you have the bad germs? Mm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's hard. Yeah.
1: So that um, kind of highlights even being in this day and age in 2020 with COVID that added mm-hmm. some more to his worry. Because now yeah. he kind of has something specific to worry about.
0: Mm-hmm. And then um, he doesn't like bugs or flies or mosquitoes. That's a big fear of his. So if we're outside he and he sees a bug, he will swat and shake. And then he'll run inside. And sometimes he'll come back with his headphones on. But most times he will stay inside because he just doesn't like bugs.
1: Is it the sound? Mm-hmm. Or do you know? Or is it he's a Afraid
0: of them? He doesn't like them buzzing in his ear. That's what he said. But he's afraid of getting bit, getting them biting him. Okay. I think that's the biggest fear. Mm-hmm. um But he still just doesn't like them. Even when we talked about insects and science, mm-hmm. he, do you know how you get a cold chill and you shake? Yeah. He looked at a picture of an insect and he did that.
1: Oh, wow. Yes,
0: yeah, so it's pretty bad. So we went through that section of science <laughs> quickly. pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this is
0: not necessary <laughs> for your education
1: right now. So. No.
0: Not <laughs> Moving on. on. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so what else? School for him. I realized this Simon was holding it together at school every single day mm-hmm. and he would get in the car and just scream at his brother for saying hi. Mm-hmm. But I learned with the help of his speech therapist that he was having anxiety at school. Mhm. And I don't know what that was or what it looked like because the teacher says that he was doing fine, but he was literally holding it together best he could. And it's probably social anxiety um, and probably a little bit of selective mutism, but he was not yeah. doing well at school. Definitely so
1: the we... separation anxiety. I'm sure that was,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, but that's why we decided to homeschool because he was so anxious about doing virtual school and the apps, the virtual apps and everything mm-hmm. that he had one day of lucidity over the summer when he said, mommy, I want you to be my teacher. And mm-hmm. he was calm as can be. And I said, okay, we're homeschooling because I didn't want his mental well-being was more important to me than how he was going to be educated. Mm-hmm. So and that's it, when we made that. Happen.
1: Yeah. As I believe it, uh, that's the right thing to do. That's the healthiest thing to do for him to, uh, Mm-hmm. Just, just get him to a healthier place before you, you know, if you if you can. Not everyone is able to do that, but if you can, why not put his mental health as a top priority? So Yeah. Well, um, I would say both of the both Morgan and Kendall have um anxiety. Kendall showed signs before Morgan did. Um, okay. she was already like um, I guess I would say a little more clingy to me. Mm-hmm. or to both of us, but she was, she's, she was much more selective with who could hold her. So like mm-hmm. <laughs> the church nursery, she had two people. If if it were not those two people, like just even as a baby, two people could hold her. If not, she cried the whole time oh, and they no. couldn't put her down. Um, and so then as we got old, as they got older, it was still, she's still very selective. Um, and then we got into karate. And she she would do fine like in the practices and things like that. And then when it was time to like show what she knows, like they would I can't remember what it's called, like testing. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. So they would say like and they, they would yell, not in a negative way, but they say, Kendall, stand up, Kendall. And then they're supposed to yell back, Yes sir. And Kendall yeah. would be, Oh God, that was just like, What are why are you yelling? There's so many people here. And so this was right. um, three, four. This is before they actually went to pre-K. So three or four, I started them on that. And every time we went to Texas, Kendall would have a meltdown. She would start crying, like shaking. I'm like, Kendall, what's going on? I have to take her to the side. And she could, I mean, she could barely catch her breath. And then, Aww. yeah, and Morgan was fine. She'd be like, yes, sir. You know, it's everything's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> but I could remember you know i know we're going to get into this a little bit later but i remember being like that when it was time to perform especially in front of people i would get like this wave of fear over me and the only thing i could do was cry so mm-hmm. i knew what she, i knew what was happening but i also didn't want i didn't want her to just be left with all i can do is cry so yeah and i knew that's what i was kind of left with was just cry and then it's just try to push through and feel embarrassed for crying in front of everybody you know all that so
0: which doesn't help. It makes it worse. It
1: makes it worse because then you think it's going to happen again or now everybody's talking about me. So then the anxiety just gets worse. You're right. So I would take her to the side. I wouldn't just leave her out there crying. Take her to the side. And I say, we'll be back. And I say, do you want to do this? And She would say, yes, I do. I said, OK, can you tell me why you're crying? We talk about it. And then she said, it's like the yelling was scaring her. And she was just she didn't say nervous, but this is what I was interpreting. So then I would, help, mm-hmm. I would give her a hug and i said say, you don't have to do it. But if you want to earn this belt, if you want to earn this strap on your belt, this is what you have to do. You have yeah. the choice. And so she would usually, you know, calm down and take a minute. Uh, one time, I think we had to go back and forth maybe three times and they just waited for her. And then she kept doing it. And then eventually, like one time she ended up getting like the highest, you know, score because she stood up and she yelled and she did it. Um, Aww. but th- I remember just seeing with her, it was like those moments of having to do things in front of people, but also it just seemed like loud, like we don't talk loud in our house. Yes. Everything is really mm-hmm. calm. So the yelling was like a trigger for her and then somewhat of the pressure, stuff like that. But I thank God for the teachers there. They saw that and they would really encourage her. And if she didn't yell and she said it quietly, that was okay. Cause that's how Kendall could do it. So, yeah.
0: but I would also say it was probably anticipatory anxiety because she was waiting for her name to be called.
1: Yes, yes, yep, that's true,
0: and that build up. When oh, it mm-hmm. happened, it's like when you shake up a soda <laughs> and the yeah. top blows off when they yelled her name and
1: you're like, what did I do now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now you said, I could picture her in my mind right now. She would just be sitting there and her little hands, like she'd be fidgeting with her, you know, her hands. And I could see her just looking around and the tears would just start welling in her eyes. And they hadn't, she hadn't even had to do anything yet. It was yeah. Just, yeah. like you said, the anticipatory, like what's getting ready to happen. Then can I remember the moves? Who knows what was going on in her little brain? Or it could have just been what her body was feeling. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times with kids, it's just what they feel. Anxiety is a feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's really uncomfortable and scary. And you don't know yes. what to do with what's happening in your body. <clears throat> she also, um, when they started kindergarten, um, similar to what you were saying about Simon, I found out later she's like really holding it together at school. I think they didn't tell me maybe till about, maybe, maybe they told me in first grade, but Morgan said Kendall cried every day at school because she missed, she said she missed me, but well, she missed both of us, but they were at home with me. So she said yes. she missed mommy, but Morgan was there and she said she would just, I guess she would make sure nobody really saw Kendall crying mm-hmm. and then, you know, she would ask the teacher to go to the bathroom and, but she said Kendall cried every day. And then she just couldn't wait to get back home. So that was definitely separation anxiety. But I didn't, yeah. and I did not see anything um, in Morgan until and I think you brought this to my attention when I was telling you about Morgan being diagnosed with an- anxiety until they separated. Morgan and Kendall were in different classes, mm-hmm. so I think there was some security with her sister, right? So because
0: that- she was helping Kendall. And she also had her.
1: hmm Her pres, her presence, I think, helped her with separation anxiety. Cause even, mm-hmm. even now, like when um, they like, if Kendall gets up and leaves the room, their bedroom, Morgan wakes up
0: without even knowing Kendall making a noise. Right.
1: She just knows it.
0: Yeah.
1: And then if yeah. Kendall's gone out of the room, she says, "Leave the door open." She got really mad the other day. Because Kendall got up and went to the bathroom and closed the door.
0: Yeah. She wanted to be able to hear her in the other room.
1: She had to know where she was and like, okay, Mm -hmm. she's right there and I can see the light. So I'm okay. But if she's totally gone, and especially at night. Um, But then I didn't recognize it, but um, Morgan, er, with clockwork, every night she'd wake up at some point and just come and find me and Kevin and say, I just want a hug. Yeah. Yeah. And then go back to sleep. And then, you know, I mean, when they, re- when they first switched over to, to not toddler beds, it was a little after toddler beds, but like, it could be two or three times where she would just come down and say, what's wrong? And she couldn't tell us what was wrong, but she just wanted a hug. And then she'd want Kevin to go put her back in the bed. So looking mm-hmm. back on it, you know, there was, they said that's, that's even a form of um, separation anxiety. Just, I don't know where they are and I just need to make sure they're there and be comforted and then I can go back to sleep. But yeah, she would just Mm -hmm. wake up randomly. Um, So that was the first thing that I noticed in her. And then school, I think part of it was kids started to ask Morgan, she's missing part of uh, one of her fingers. So kids started to ask her about that. So um, the teacher told me she would hide her hand. Um, hmm. and then being around, like, even when she was maybe about first grade where they're kind of really working on writing and you need to hold yeah. the paper down, it's her left hand. Yep. So she wouldn't hold yeah. the paper down because she didn't want anybody to see her hand. So she would put it in, she said she would put it in the desk and then still, you know, try to write it out. Or when they were learning how to count on their fingers, you know, she mm-hmm. was concerned about is anybody looking at that So I think that would go into maybe the social anxiety area
0: Um, Mm -hmm. but she definitely and that because that helper hand is so um it's so important in like the early years in school but who would think yeah right
1: and I didn't know I didn't even like you were saying there's things when they're away from you and they're at school like school could trigger a lot
0: yes because you're dealing with other
1: people other adults discipline kids you know, all of that, making friends, and she didn't have any problem with that, but when people started asking questions or what's wrong with that, and at that point, we hadn't even truly talked about what actually happened, she just, you know, had a special, has a special finger, so that was some, that was a social part that started to come up, um,
0: yeah,
1: and then we noticed there was an issue with math, um, so a little bit of a learning difference. So again, this is happening. Most of this is happening after she and Kendall are no longer in the class. So yeah. together.
0: It's a so, lot. It's a lot.
1: Yes. It's a lot. So her security away from home is no longer in the room with her. And then she has to deal with now. People are asking questions about something about this different about me. And then it feels like I'm a little different in this way. I'm not getting it as quickly as other people. So there is a definitely a, a difference in the way that she learns math. It's a it's a little bit slower, but it's really just different. And so she doesn't learn yeah. as fast as other kids. So and there are some mean children in the class, so they might laugh if she gives the wrong answer. She said it's not just her, but she just stops answering mm-hmm. in this room. And they said Morgan, she would just start. They would know she was drawing these beautiful pictures. Like she would come home and show me, she would make crafts and draw and all that stuff, and they have to say, Morgan, you need to do your work. And after we were we were going through all this testing, they were like, That's anxiety. That's trying to mm-hmm. calm herself in a situation that she feels really uncomfortable. So her yeah. way of dealing with it, like she always had would find play doh to play with. Mm-hmm. And then to we, help
0: her with her her fidget fingers. Yep. To keep her hands busy. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um. Or drawing pictures. And says she always draws these beautiful pictures. And we say, "What you need to do this." So, it became more of like um. So she really any a math test, especially if it's timed. It's more pressure. It's more pressure. If it's not timed, she does very well. If it's just Morgan, do your best. But if you say a test and it's timed. Then she loses it, and I mean, it may just happened to us last week, where she had a math yeah. test and she she broke down at, in front of the test and said, "My brain isn't working." Mm-hmm. So Kevin had to come sit next to her, um, and you know she I mean she was eventually able to do it, and I talked to her afterwards, and she said, "All I can do is think about how many am I going to get wrong." uh." Oh. Or, how, how am I, I going to not do this right? Or, and I'll see her just writing and erasing, writing and erasing, writing and erasing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Morgan's a lot is, um, a lot of it is about, I would say, separation and then the social slash academic, because I think some of mm-hmm. the judgment about the academic. So, that's what yes. I think that's still under social. But and I would cool. say
0: some of that generalized too, because that it was a new school year, new teacher, new kids, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely, and one of those years it was just it was just a bad year overall, like the the class was really bad, you know uh, they misbehaved a lot, um, and then one boy, like he just said some really things really unkind things to her, especially about her finger, um. And it was just, it was a lot for an (laughs) eight-year-old. I think at this time, you know, eight years old. So um, we both, so to say all that, both of us, of course, we have our own things with anxiety and then we see it in our children. So that's why this is, this was something that we really wanted to talk about. It's hard to see your children go through this. Like We're going through it in different ways, but it's Mm -hmm. just difficult because it's a struggle. And I, I know there have been times I just feel powerless and I don't want, because I know what it feels like I want to take it Mm -hmm. away from them and I wish they didn't have to deal with it
0: yeah I was gonna say that because we don't like to see our children sick even with fever or coughs or runny nose yeah noses but to get have anxiety and not help them navigate that or just take it like it's it's so hard this is the hardest thing for me as a mom Like I can handle the autism. I can handle the ADHD sometimes. Help me, Jesus. But this anxiety, (laughs) the anxiety is, it shows up every day in our house, Mm -hmm. everywhere in our house. And we used to navigate our lives around anxiety. Mm. Wow. And that's pretty profound until someone said, you got to stop doing that. Because he's gotta learn how to work through it. That, that's so. that's right there. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. We can't I was reading an article about it and they said it really well. Um let's see, see if I can find the word, but it's and I think it's even more difficult for for us or if you're a parent that also has anxiety, um, because yeah. it triggers your own. So mm-hmm. like, I need you to not have this because. You making me angry, you making me have
0: this. <laughs> we can't do this together. <laughs>
1: Good. I need you to breathe because I need to breathe. Let's breathe together, right. okay? Because I don't want to
0: cry, I don't want you see me crying right now. I need to hold right. it
1: together so you can be okay. Because now my thoughts are gone. Like, what did I do? Whatever, you know, it's like, right? You know, and some of it is just honestly, it is. I don't know if you call that selfish, but it's kind of parent-centered as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable for us, like you just said, to see our children in pain. It causes pain for us. So it's not just about them. Because if I think about it rationally, they're going to be okay. I do have the skills and, you know, the wherewithal to show them how to, you know, how to cope with this or, you know, teach them coping skills. They're going to be fine. And you can live well with anxiety uh, at a certain level. But anxiety mm-hmm. says a lot of other stuff <laughs> that will keep you right. up at night. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: all night long. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it says, stop reassuring your child. hmm So yep. it's not, there's nothing to worry about. It's not everything's going to be okay. Not all that. It's okay. This is, this is here. Anxiety showed mm-hmm. up. Now we have we are empowering them to do something about it or to deal with it or to cope with it or to move forward with it, but not yes. reassuring them that you know it's all right, you don't need to be worried. Well, I am, yeah, and
0: telling me- or that man up. What about mm. the man
1: up? And especially, what with we boys. tell
0: our little boys. Especially yeah. boys, yeah, yeah, but men have feelings. Really? We see a man with feelings <laughs> every day on TV and Twitter. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh And Lord. we saw we see men cry all the time.
1: But honestly, I think there are. I know there are so many men, especially black men, that have anxiety disorders.
0: Yes. Like we, but we, I think men, if men of wives who stay home and men of wives who have multiple children who are wanting and seeking to be the breadwinner, I know they have anxiety to perform at work. Oh
1: my God, yes, yes. That's what's keeping them up at night.
0: Yes. It's yep. all
1: on me if I mess up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you just add on top of that being black. Yeah. There's there's even an extra level of that or, you know, growing up a black boy and the things that they've mm-hmm. and experienced. Um, And I think men just fight it. Hmm. And so it comes off in different. It comes off as maybe isolating themselves, or instability, yeah. or you know, being short, or being all consumed into their career. And that's how they mm-hmm. fight against that feeling of anxiety, instead of like allowing themselves to feel it and like share it with your wife or share it with somebody that this is what I'm feeling and learning yeah. how to cope with it. Is it real? Is what your mind telling you real? Mm-hmm. Is the fear. Is that is that real there or is this something that has been created? And some of it is real, right. and we have to learn how to cope with that.
0: Yeah. So. and some of that's created. That pressure, some of that is created.
1: Exactly, and that's that's the work of I, to me as, as as an adult. I think if you didn't get much help as a child, that's really the work is what I'm telling myself. Real is what I'm afraid of. Real is it the truth? If it isn't, then let's figure out what the truth actually is. Yeah, but you know something I remember
0: that, yeah, yeah. Something I remember from grad school is when you're anxious and you ask yourself these what if questions or Mm -hmm. is this really gonna happen or what will happen if this happens? Answer that question and see if you can manage that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you can. Mm -hmm.
1: And something else that is along those lines, what is the worst case scenario? Like, let yourself really create the worst case scenario. Because yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. you're just wasting a lot of time with all the what ifs. Just go with it. Like, what's the worst that's, that could possibly happen? Describe mm-hmm. it. Okay. And now what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that blunt.
0: Now what? What you going to do now?
1: <laughs> now what? Okay. Now, what else could happen? Is there any positive that yeah. can happen? Yeah, right. what the what's the best that could happen? Okay. Now yes. both of those things, there's a 50-50 chance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that goes into like I think we try to help our kids thinking beyond the anxiety. I know what, what happened to me as a child is I just got stuck in the feeling. Yeah. And I didn't have any help to get past the feeling to that maybe I had some either some control in the situation or to mm-hmm. think what the real, what am I really afraid of? It was just in the feeling I cry. And then once I'm done crying, it's just done.
0: Yeah. So for me, what helps Simon, because he is, we talked about the doctor, but that translates to any medical professional. Okay. So the dentist is also another one that's really um, a phobia of his. Mm-hmm. And so It's to the point where I don't tell him we're going to the dentist until he has his clothes on and we're walking out of the door. Mm. Because he has fight or flight response and it's normally flight. Mm. Like I'm running away and you can't do anything about it. But with him, um, we talk about, didn't you go to the dentist before?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Weren't you okay? And that kind of helps to bring his anxiety down some. But when he's sitting in that chair, we went to the dentist Friday. He was shaking like a leaf and crying the entire time.
1: Well, the dentist is kind of scary.
0: It is. And, and that's but a it
1: very, just... it is a common phobia too. But I know you're saying mm-hmm. it's, a, it's on the long list of other things.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he, but the, the, um the bright light in that appointment was, he did everything they asked him to do when he when they asked him to do it. Oh that's so good. although he was shaking like a leaf mm-hmm. and crying, he sat for the entire exam. Um, and he asked for a break when he needed one, which was another victory because we're working on that. And when he was done, it was time to go. And he asked, Are we done now? And he was fine. So that
1: is good. And that's that's yeah. living with anxiety, <laughs> even as mm-hmm. a little person. Like we do that now. When, you know, right before I, I, maybe I speak somewhere or something like that, I have that feeling like I could just run out of here. You know, I really don't need to do this. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. or, you know, anything that triggers that, um, especially when it comes or going to a doctor's appointment or anything like that, the feeling doesn't have to determine how you react or respond.
0: Yeah.
1: And so he's learning that and that's awesome that he was able to do
0: that. Oh. Mm-hmm. yep and we celebrate it with a trip to target yep. and oh. that's something else i do i give him something to look forward to after so we then, talked yeah. about going to the dentist and we said well, after the dentist we will go to target because we need to get a couple of things mm-hmm. um and so that was something to look forward to yeah that's good to kind of take yeah. his mind off of it
1: hmm and it, it it makes it like, is this worth it? Yep. Going to Target is worth me sitting here following directions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? I mean, for kids and sometimes even adults, like, I'm going to get paid for this particular thing. So I need to do this. Like, it has to be a payoff right. sometimes to push mm-hmm. through our anxiety. So sometimes yeah. it's a thing. Sometimes it's, I made this commitment to myself. I want to prove to myself that I can do this or anxiety doesn't control me. But that's a that's a great tip of how to teach your children and even just for ourselves. Like, why are you doing this?
0: (laughs) Sometimes Mm -hmm. we have like Kendall and her test,
1: exactly her
0: karate test, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
1: And sometimes we're forcing ourselves to do something, and maybe anxiety is telling you don't do it.
0: Don't listen. So do it. What's the book? Someone wrote a book recently. Do it afraid.
1: Yep. And the other thing though, I was, I've, I've talked to the girls about and I'll tell them, anxiety is there for a reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because there are some dangers in the world. And so we do need to sometimes pause and think about why am I doing this? Why am I making this decision? The thing about it, if we didn't have anxiety at all, what kind of yeah, trouble would we be good?
0: <laughs> so yeah.
1: it's about when anxiety gets to the place where it keeps you from doing things that you need to do, want to do keep you from, you know, enjoying your life. That's when it's a problem. But anxiety is useful. It means It is. Like when you're getting ready to take that test, Morgan, you know, she was feeling that way cuz she wanted to do well. Right. That's why the anxiety came up and she was afraid that she wouldn't do well. But the the mm-hmm. more important thing is that she wanted to. So, but we can't mm-hmm. let it get to a point where now you're so worried about not doing well that you actually don't.
0: Yeah. and
1: now I'm sitting
0: here reflecting on big moments in my life where anxiety showed up like being a mom Mm -hmm. and walking down the aisle and Mm -hmm. meeting these parents like I was so anxious on those days but it was because I was also so excited about those days exactly
1: it means something to you
0: yeah yeah
1: and sometimes that's what anxiety is telling you so it's not a bad anxiety is not bad it is useful and it's telling you Mm -hmm. something But if it's if it's gone beyond like telling you something and it's just making you afraid, then that's when you got to take your take that power back. And we teach our children how to take the power back. And sometimes it's just breathing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I know you had a really cute way uh, that you you were breathing in with your voice.
0: Yeah. Because you say, take a deep breath to little children. They don't really know what that means, Mm -hmm. but they know how to smell the rose Mm -hmm. and they know how to blow out a birthday candle. So I say, smell the rose, blow out the candle. Mm -hmm. Um, And now when I say, take a deep breath, they know how to do it because they've practiced. But if the anxiety is so bad, and they don't need words, I just start taking deep breaths as loud as mm-hmm. I can. I did mm-hmm. it the other day at the dentist and Simon started breathing too.
1: Mm-hmm, yep. I'll, I'll do that too. Um, I will hold, I'll like hold them and I'll start breathing and they'll breathe, They'll feel me doing it. And so then they'll mm-hmm. start doing I'll say, or I'll say, breathe with me. So then they breathe in sync with me. And then yeah. now... Can do you feel like you can talk, or you know, when, when a child they they want to say something but they can't get it out because they're crying so hard? Like you don't have to talk right now, or let them get the feelings out, let them get the tears out first, and then help them calm, help them calm themselves. Yes. Um, but saying "calm down" typically is not helpful. No, just tell somebody to "calm down." When did that work on you last? I don't think that has yeah. been in the history of calming down.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? That feels like a judgment statement, and yeah. it feels overwhelming when you're dealing with strong emotions of anxiety.
1: Yeah, because in that moment, you don't feel like you can, and you don't feel like Mm-mm. you're in control. So somebody just calm down, calm down. It's like, why are you upset? <laughs> and me, Right, and you um... <laughs> calm down. <laughs> now I'm mad.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah so reassuring you know um saying okay it's okay how you feel let's let out your feelings it's okay to cry because now Kendall has kind of gotten to the place where she'll she'll be crying and say she's not crying I'm fine (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I was like oh you're not yeah
0: and that's society we say I'm okay but you're not really okay
1: right well she and she she just doesn't want to show it um mm-hmm. especially if her sister is around I don't yeah so I say well I can actually see the tears coming from your eyes I'm not crying mm-hmm. yes you are and it's okay to cry and you just got to come you 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 want to let it out or would you like some privacy so they're getting kind of to a place where they want to sometimes they want to deal with it with me and sometimes they want privacy and then will come to me yeah but I make sure they. Know but you're that normalizing you.
0: those emotions, and that's what matters most.
1: And I want them to know that I see you, and I see you feeling something, and so you can right. come talk to me about it. But as your kids are getting older, it's not going to be maybe giving hugs and then breathing with you. There's going to be some letting go, of, and them trying to figure out what works best for them, but making yourself available, and yeah. so it's okay that you're feeling whatever you feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Really? I have a phrase that I use with the boys already, because I'm putting it in their brain for later. Mm-hmm. Um, I say, I'm here if you need help. Yeah. And that's when dealing with emotions or trying to figure out some how to play with a toy. Like, I don't tell them how to fix the toy. I say, I'm here if you need help. And they'll say, I need help or not. I don't ask, do you want help? I say, I'm here if you need it. So they can seek me out and learn how to do that. Because that's a skill that they need. Yep, I love that. Yep, I'm here if you need help. Yep. If and when, yes. Mm -hmm. One thing I I wanted
1: to make sure I mentioned too, something that I missed with Kendall at first and then I realized what it was, before she would go to school, she would go to the bath. Well, she wouldn't really go to the bathroom, but she would say she felt like she needed to go to the bathroom she just kept mm-hmm. going in there and she said nothing's coming out but my stomach hurts but i feel like i need to go to the bathroom and eventually i figured out that, that was her anxiety flaring up because she was getting ready yes. to go to school but it was mm-hmm. no, never said i don't want to go she would be happy when she didn't have to go but <laughs> she never said i don't want to go or i don't like school she wouldn't cry on the way to school none of that it was but i gotta go to the bathroom or my stomach you know, doesn't feel good. It was back and forth with that. So if you hear your child saying that a lot right before something or right before yes, school, Sti- that could Simon be what's going stomach on.
0: Stomach aches too. But while we're talking about those symptoms, we mentioned some already, mm-hmm. the crying, the breathing fast, the shaking, oh, yes, um, yes. but also keep in mind tense muscles, dizziness, sweating, um, shakiness, headaches, feeling hot, fidgeting, And blushing could all be signs Mm -hmm. of anxiety in your children. That's how they would show up. Or even saying they have butterflies in their stomach.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it's just, I just don't feel good. I don't feel good. Yeah, Um, yeah. we talked about uh, waking during the night. Fidgeting, I think that's a big one that probably gets misdiagnosed. Or um, especially in school by teachers. And they may not know that it's anxiety and think it. They might think it's ADHD or just right. <laughs> sit down somewhere. You know, just yeah. <laughs> you just doing too much, <laughs> and they don't uh, realize the child is anxious. And maybe they need you to. Maybe they just need your presence next to them. Yes. Um, so, were there any other things that I was going to something about fidgeting. mention? Simon, when we
0: leave home, he always says that he'll say, "I don't have mm-hmm. anything to hold." which is his way of saying he needs something to physically grip. Um, anytime we leave the house, he normally has two things, one in each hand to hold to help him with his anxiety. But there's also worry rocks that people can carry, and they're textured on the top that you can rub your thumb on. Some yep. people keep mm-hmm. them in their pockets. Um
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got mm-hmm. we got worry stone. We got some worry stones.
0: And then um yeah. we kind of mentioned it, but we didn't talk about it. But I would say model um self-care skills for them, coping skills with them, and also model your emotions. So if you're feeling anxious, say, "Ooh, I'm feeling anxious about mm-hmm. this. Let me go do this. And I actually say, I'm feeling mm-hmm. anxious about. Where to start on my next project? Let me just sit down and take a break and calm down mm-hmm. and or let me gather my thoughts and then go back to do that task. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, that's yeah. It's important to name it, it's yes. important to give it a name so that kids don't mm-hmm. feel like something is just wrong with them. So when you know, we would use nervous or even um, sometimes it's about being nervous and excited. Yeah. So Morgan now says, nerve guided. So <laughs> I'm nervous, but I'm really like, I really want to do this. So she's starting to realize there's a difference with that, those butterflies in your stomach when you're looking forward to something mm-hmm. than when you're kind of dreading something. So I think it's, it is definitely important to talk about it, to name what's happening in that moment. So so that they can let you know too. So they can tell you, okay, I'm nervous. I have anxiety about this situation or I'm I'm looking forward to it. So we're giving them language for when they do need our help. Like you said, I'm here if you need me. They can come to us yeah. and identify what's going Which on. Which is them.
0: huge because a lot of times with anxiety, it shows up in our children, but we don't know what it is initially. Sometimes we may think it's introversion or ADHD or anything else, but we don't know. That it's anxiety. Yeah.
1: And it could be all of it. That's the thing too. That could be that's I think that's overwhelming probably for some parents, that it could be all of it at different times mm-hmm. and even for some kids at the same time. That's a lot to deal with yes. and anxiety is frustrating. Um it's frustrating. It's frustrating to live. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's frustrating to live with but I could you know being the parent of a child with it because there's going to be times where they have the outbursts or they're irritable or they have a quick temper they just refuse to do things and might you might feel embarrassed in public because they act a certain way or they're not doing what you want them to do so it can be frustrating um but just remember that this isn't they're not trying to do that they're just having a reaction in their body and they're afraid. Yeah. It's really fear.
0: And they don't have the words for it yet so that you get the behaviors. Exactly. Yeah. They don't have And we the have words to keep in mind that children don't yeah. speak eloquently. At <laughs> <all>. <laughs> and normally their language <laughs> is their behaviors. <laughs> we wish really? they would sometimes. <laughs> Why can't you just tell me what's wrong? That doesn't happen. <laughs> but they will show you yeah
1: well and you know sometimes they are but sometimes they are and that's what's making them even more upset i'm saying no i don't want to go no i don't want to do this yeah and you're trying to make me do it so there sometimes they actually are telling us what's mm-hmm. wrong but it's not what we want to hear yeah. so actually i had a um a surprising moment with with my mom um because kendall is so much like me and like i was when i was younger um so she, she told me she had a memory of when I first started swimming lessons. Oh, my God. I was so scared. I actually threw up in the pool the first day. So, like, the lessons canceled. <laughs> you closed were canceled the pool.
0: You didn't want to go anyway. Threw up in the pool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I was the little ex's kid. But there were other times where I was so confident. It was like a combination <laughs> of Morgan and Kendall. You're like, <laughs> so... But she actually apologized to me and she she said, I didn't know, I didn't really understand it because it was like one day you were confident, the next day throwing up in the pool or you were crying because you were supposed to sing a song in church and she didn't know what to do with that. She didn't know what tools to give me. And I think that generation, but even just parents in general don't necessarily know what to do with anxiety. but it's just about, it's about tools and teaching your child what to do with those big emotions. But it did, it, I was surprised, but I was, and because I, I still didn't think my mom knew that I had anxiety, but I guess seeing a little version of me and then hearing me talk about certain things, she realized she had a name for it now and was like, oh, ooh, I probably could have did things a little bit differently, or I wish I had known how to help her. So then she wouldn't have struggled in this way. So it did mean something to me. So just as parents, let go of your guilt. If you haven't maybe dealt with it in the best way up to this point, you're doing the best you can with the information, and the tools you have. She didn't know what tools to get to give me um, to help me through those moments of having those big feelings. I eventually got it. But it didn't definitely mean something to me that she was able to see what it was, understand me better, even you know, thirty, forty years later. <laughs> it's nice to be understood and seen in that way. But yeah. I also want to encourage parents though to let go of if you're experiencing any guilt right now, that maybe you haven't handled your child's anxiety in the best way because you didn't know. And I think when you know you will do better. You're, you're an amazing parent. And from this point forward, you're going to do better and you'll give them the tools that they need. So yes. I wanted to kind of put that out there. Don't feel bad if you haven't done the best yet.
0: Yeah. What a huge moment for you and for your mom and for Kendall. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. huge. So let's talk mm-hmm. about some of those tools that we can use. We've kind of thrown some out there mm-hmm. Um already but I have another one Um, we practice mindfulness when we are out and about so if we're taking a walk in the park or hiking I will stop and say tell me what you see what you hear and what you feel at this moment Mm -hmm. so it makes them just stop and feel grounded um, and they have to pay attention to what their bodies are experiencing
1: Um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't
0: always work but if you keep practicing that then they get better at it
1: yeah and practicing it practicing it even in those moments when they're not feeling it helps them be able to use that those these are tools that we're saying so you're trying to give them a little toolbox of like when they do feel anxious this is what i can do Mm -hmm. so you practice it even when they're not feeling certain things so you practice deep breathing or you practice calming yourself or feeling empowered or grounding yourself when they're not feeling those feelings so then they know what to do when they are
0: yes Yes. Um, another.
1: Um, oh, go ahead. A big one for me is just empathizing. Um, instead of uh, saying like "there's nothing to be worried about," like trying to take the anxiety away, empathize with it. I understand, or I see that you're scared. I see that this is you know causing you to feel worried. So, and I think that helps. That does help calm the situation down when that person, like I just said, is seen and they don't feel like something's wrong with the way they're reacting. Mm-hmm. So empathize with your child in the moment and then you'll be able to move on to problem solving, but don't just jump straight into trying to fix the problem.
0: Right. Yeah. That's big because when it shows up, it kind of stops things. It puts things at a halt. Mm-hmm. So if you try to bulldoze through it, then it's not gonna not going to get anywhere.
1: Well that goes back to what we were saying earlier it's an inconvenience mhm like lord really now <laughs> you <laughs> this is an issue right now you saw you know the dog that you're afraid of or you know like and but yes we have to take those moments when we can as yeah. best we can to help them in the moment and say i understand that you so i'm here and that will help at least calm it a bit so that you can move on to the next part of the situation but if you try to fight it they're just gonna fight you more
0: Mm -hmm. and you know something that I've started doing is I check my anxiety when I can see what may cause Simon anxiety so if we're walking and there's a dog coming on a leash he doesn't Mm -hmm. see it yet because I'm taller I Mm -hmm. automatically take deep breaths and say just hold your course stay on this side because he needs to walk by the dog and be okay Mm -hmm. it's on a leash so yeah, I oftentimes check my anxiety first so that I can help him manage his. And oftentimes we get through it. So yeah.
1: that's that that's powerful, Sabria, that we could our our own anticipatory anxiety mm-hmm. could actually make the whole situation worse if we don't check it. Yes. If we don't deal with our own, because guess what? Maybe he won't see it, or maybe this time it won't be as, you know, as big as the other times, or we don't know. But if we have to check our own and calm ourselves, then our reaction or response to whatever our child does will be healthier.
0: Mm -hmm. And you helped me with some anticipatory anxiety. Remember we moved into this house and I had you came up (laughs) just to help me set up Simon's room because I knew that stress of the move was going to be too much.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you you had already seen it. You had already seen it in your mind and created (laughs) it.
0: but it helped because when we got here he walked in his room and he said it looks just like my room and I'm like it is your room but then he stressed about seeing all the boxes everywhere else mm-hmm. so
1: well you did your part you did what you could and then you yep. had to just deal with the rest of it so at least this part it was taken care of and that has to be enough yeah because the thing about anxiety is there's always something else to be worried about
0: yes always That's-
1: annoying yes <laughs> literally for for yourself for other people there's always once you resolve something there's just something else there's always something else to be worried about
0: mm-hmm. all the time all the Those time times. and if, just, if you allow
1: it you just be worried all day long
0: yeah just throw away the to-do list <laughs> <And> just... <laughs> but you know i have i've gotten away from to-do lists because they cause anxiety Mm-hmm. And so I focus on my top three every day, which is reading my Bible, self care, and drinking enough water. Yep. That's a good day.
1: A book that really helped me with that, because I was a big to do list person too, was The One Thing. I don't remember who wrote it, I will find that out uh, quickly. You, yeah. you just
0: pulled the Sabria.
1: <laughs> I didn't know the title. <laughs> Right. (laughs) It's Gary Keller, the one thing by Gary Keller. And the premise of the book is we all have like goals and to do lists and all that, and it can be overwhelming. So each day we need to narrow it down to the one thing that needs to be done, the most important one thing that needs to be done. And then when that is complete, we go on to the next one thing. So Mm -hmm. we handle our day one thing at a time.
0: Yes. That's good.
1: Relieves so much pressure, and you're not looking at your day as handling twenty four hours. You're basically looking at it as you know it could be you narrow it down to like each hour. The most important thing I can do at seven thirty is this, Mm -hmm. and then when that's done, the most important thing I can do at eight thirty is this. And so I have said on certain days, the most important thing I can do today is rest.
0: Yeah, and that's important.
1: Yeah, it doesn't mean I don't have a to-do list, but what is the most important one thing that I can do for myself that makes my life better, makes me a better mother, or, you know, helps me feel better, takes care of my body, is to rest. Mm-hmm. So, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Yeah. Uh, that- bedtime is big for me, too, for them. Bedtime. Yeah. Because if they don't get enough sleep...
0: It mm, fuels the anxiety. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. And mine too. Yeah. And mine too, because they're just off
1: if they don't get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. So anything could be a trigger. Like, it's just not a good day for anybody. And then I have that, you know, it it affects me too. So bedtime, I'm a proponent of bedtime, period, because I think it just helps everybody. And our kids need sleep. If they can get it, they need sleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, For Simon, he would not sleep through the night. He would wake up four to five times a night, but now he sleeps through consistently. He wakes up maybe once a night, but then goes right back to sleep. And we've noticed less anxiety, less meltdowns. And he's able to actually manage the anxiety when it comes because just because it's less doesn't mean it's not there. But he manages it better now because he sleeps better.
1: Great point. And that's kind of the goal, I think, with anxiety or, you know, when you struggle with any mental health issue, it's not, it may never completely go away. I think I'll always be somewhat of an anxious person, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it doesn't overwhelm me, you know, or it's not something that prevents me from doing certain things. I have learned, you know, how to cope with it and live with it. And like I said, sometimes I use it. it. It's useful.
0: Yeah. Um, anything else you want to share on along those lines um, I will say try all that you can try at home and seek a therapist for your child play therapy is phenomenal and they most therapists start around four doing play therapy with your children um, there's sand tray there's play therapy and then as they get older there's talk therapy um, but that's a great tool to use for children who struggle with anxiety. Love that. Um,
1: Something that I found um, in an article that I thought could be helpful to some of our listeners was something called the FEEL method. So instead of, we were talking about instead of reassuring or trying to rationalize worry away, uh, what you can do is called FEEL method. So the F stands for freeze, which means pause and take some breaths with your child. Um, that can just calm down, calm their body down. Then the first E is empathize. Anxiety is scary and your child wants you to know, wants to know that you get it, you get what they're experiencing. Um, And then E is evaluate. Once they're calm, then you try to figure out possible solutions to what has, what, whatever triggered them in that moment. And the last thing is to let go. So in that moment, if you feel guilty or if you feel like you put them in a situation that caused them to be anxious, anything like that, let that go, because you just gave them the tools to work through it, and that's more powerful than them never experiencing anxiety again.
0: Hmm. That's good. So, do you have a chill pill for today? I. Before we do the chill pill, I forgot to mention this book. It's called "Helping Your Anxious Child," um, and it's by a bunch of different doctors: Ronald Rape and Wingall, Susan Spence, and Vanessa Com- Comham. <laughs> and I probably butchered all those names. <laughs> <laughs> it's called "Helping Your Anxious Child," and it's a step-by-step guide for parents. It is phenomenal. It's helped me help Simon as a therapist.
1: Uh, So we're going to, how about we'll post both of those books that we mentioned today on the Chill Out Mama Facebook page and on Instagram. So we'll make sure y'all get the names of those.
0: Yes. And I would say, Chill Out Mama, Embrace the Anxiety, which means help yourself deal with your anxiety. And help your child deal with their anxiety.
1: I like that. Stop thinking it. Just embrace it. Learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. We will see y'all next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Before you go, don't forget to like, share, and follow us at Chill Out Mama Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at chilloutmamapod at gmail.com. We'll have brand new episodes every Tuesday, so we look forward to you joining us next time.